This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. If you're constantly on the hunt for a good deal, then you need Rakuten. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop because members get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every category, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, traveling, dining, and more. You're already shopping at your favorite stores. Why not save while you're doing it? It's a no-brainer. Get the Rakuten app now and join the 17 million members who are already saving. Cashback rates change daily. See Rakuten.com for details. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Your cash back really adds up. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Tonight, the civilian death toll in Ukraine rises, but the Defense Department says Russian troops are essentially frozen and the Ukrainian resistance is working as the war enters week four. President Zelensky surprises a Ukrainian family in the hospital with word tonight of survivors in a theater's bomb shelter housing hundreds of women and kids. The satellite images showing the word children written in Russian so the building would be spared. Warning to China. President Biden plans to tell President Xi tomorrow there will be consequences if the Chinese send military aid to Russia. U.S. military aid to Ukraine, the latest on the kamikaze drones, the anti-tank missiles, and other equipment to help the Ukrainian resistance. The picture that stunned the world. Tonight, our conversation with the widower who lost his entire family as they fled violence. WNBA star's detention extended. Brittany Griner to remain in Russia on drug charges until May. Eye on America, the growing problem as grocery stores disappear in some communities. And today's other top headlines, breaking news about who was driving the truck in that crash that killed members of a college golf team, plus millions in the path of severe weather, and a deadly 50-vehicle pileup in Missouri. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us on this Thursday night. Tonight, even with Russia stalling in its invasion of Ukraine, the brutality of Russian forces has shocked the world. The Secretary of State with an ominous message today warning that Vladimir Putin is growing more and more desperate and could be preparing to use chemical weapons. 
On top of the growing death toll, the destruction in Ukraine is vast. A United Nations report just out details more than $100 billion worth of infrastructure has been destroyed in the first three weeks of the war. And we learned an American citizen is among the deaths tonight. Jim Hill from Diggs, Idaho, was killed while he was waiting in a bread line in Cherniev. Here in Washington, the big news is that President Biden will speak with China's President Xi tomorrow. The president planning to warn the Chinese leader that his country will bear responsibility if they support Russia's aggression and face, quote, significant costs. We've got a lot of news to get to tonight, but first let's go to Ukraine and CBS's Chris Livesay in the city of Odessa. Good evening, Chris. I've lost the signal. Good evening, Nora. Russian forces have launched more than 1,000 missiles since the start of the invasion, according to senior defense officials in the U.S., as ground forces continue to push towards Kyiv. Meanwhile, as Russia continues to launch strikes across the country, there are new signs of Ukraine holding its ground. In an already barbaric war, it was a new low, bombing a theater in Mariupol where hundreds were taking shelter, despite the word children clearly posted outside. But tonight, rescuers report many of them have astoundingly survived. Some 30,000 residents have managed to flee the besieged city, but more than 300,000 remain trapped amid pitched battles. According to U.S. intelligence, since the start of the invasion three weeks ago, more than 7,000 Russian troops have been killed. A dozen of them are here, a refrigerated rail car in Voznesensk, some still teenagers. Perhaps, like so many, they didn't even know they were going off to war. The Russian military won't even acknowledge they exist, says this scout, codenamed Ghost. Russia is treating their own soldiers like meat, leaving them to rot, he says. When they came to Voznesensk, the Russians were armed to the teeth with heavy artillery and helicopters, occupying and looting these homes across the river. Local Ukrainian fighters were outnumbered and outgunned, but not outsmarted. So just on the other side of this bridge, a Russian tank was pointing its cannon directly at the town. But in an act of self-sacrifice, the military blew up the bridge to keep them from crossing. The mayor walks me through the landmines. If the tanks had gotten past this point, he says, they could have captured yet another nuclear power plant or cut off Ukraine's biggest naval port, Odessa, were it not for their brave military and even the most unlikely of volunteers, like 66-year-old Sushenko Nikolai Semyonovich, a retired minesweeper in the Soviet Army. What did you do when the Russians were attacking? I jumped out and shot with my own rifle, he says. My heart simply could not handle sitting in the basement. These Russians don't give up. We will kill them all. I can't take it anymore. And we've seen that same tenacity hold off Russian forces here in Odessa on the Black Sea coast. Now, Russian warships have fired missiles on nearby villages, but the Pentagon said today there are no signs of an imminent amphibious attack. Nora? Tenacious is a good word for the Ukrainian people. Chris Livesay, thank you. Well, the U.S. is sending powerful weapons as part of that $800 million military aid package, including so-called kamikaze drones. It's all part of the effort to beef up the Ukrainian resistance and send the Russians into retreat. CBS's David Martin has more from the Pentagon. 
Defense Secretary Austin stopped in the Eastern European nation of Slovakia to lobby for an urgent shipment of the air defense missiles which Ukraine has been using to keep Russian warplanes at bay. Our goal has been to uh, continue to uh, reinforce uh, those things that have worked for, for the Ukrainian forces. Slovakia uses the same Russian-made system known as the S-300 as Ukraine. So it could be pressed into service immediately without any need for training. It has a range um, upwards of 80 to 100 miles uh, and can gauge targets up to 80,000 feet. Retired Air Force General David Deptula. They've been firing those missiles. They have the radars, they have the launchers. What they need are the replenishment missiles. The Ukrainians also need a resupply of the anti-tank weapons they have been using against Russian armored vehicles, especially the Javelin, which pops up and strikes tanks from the top where the armor is thinnest. On Wednesday, President Biden promised to send 2,000 more Javelins, plus 7,000 other anti-tank weapons. That's far more than the number of uh, tanks that the Russians have inside Ukraine right now. So I think that leaves them in very good shape to continue this campaign for some weeks or months to come. The weapon shipments are being driven across the border from Poland and Romania. So far, the Russians have been unable to intercept them. They're going to simply have to do that to shut off the flow of lethal aid. And if they don't, the tide could turn against them. If Putin gets desperate, he might decide to attack those weapon shipment sites in Poland and Romania directly. That could start a war the U.S. couldn't stay out of. Nora? David Martin at the Pentagon. Thank you. Well, turning now to the human cost of war and the hundreds of civilians killed in just the last 21 days. And the new today, the United Nations says the death toll includes 108 children. CBS's Charlie Daggett spoke to the grieving widow whose family's death was captured on video and has become a powerful symbol to the world of Russia's brutality. The missile fired straight into a line of civilians even as they were trying to escape. Shocking evidence not only of the deadly consequences facing fleeing residents. But the cruelty of those opening fire on them. The embattled city of Irpin had been under heavy shelling for days. When the war broke out, Serhii Perevinas was hundreds of miles away, looking after his ailing mother. But his family was hunkering down at their home. His son, 18-year-old Mikita, 9-year-old daughter Elisa, and his wife, Tetiana. Together, they decided it was too dangerous to stay. I told my wife, I'm sorry I couldn't be there to protect you, but she said, don't worry, we'll get through it, everything will be good. Serhii tracked Tetiana's phone, losing the signal until it showed up at a local hospital. Around 20 minutes later, a photograph flashed up on his phone from the scene. The lifeless bodies of children and the young church volunteer who was helping them escape, encapsulating the savagery of the war. Yeah. I was able to recognize them by their clothing, their backpacks, and the suitcase. That must have been a terrible moment for you. Yeah. The wife he'd known since high school had been killed too. His son, a computer programmer, just like his dad. And your daughter, just nine years old. Yep. She's like dancing, very beautiful smile. Very nice 
daughter. He says there's nothing left to return home to, even if he could. Your whole family? Whole family, yes. Your wife, your children, two, two dogs. dogs. Yes. You have nothing left? I'm alone. Sir, he told us he's now on a mission, what he called the last mission for his family, building evidence that what happened is a war crime, and it's happening all over Ukraine, to hold Russian forces and President Putin himself responsible. Nora? Charlie Daggett with that powerful interview. Thank you, Charlie. Let's turn now to Moscow, where WNBA star Brittany Griner will be held in jail for at least another two months. That's according to Russian state media. Griner was seen entering court today, her first public appearance since her arrest at an airport last month for allegedly having cannabis vape cartridges in her luggage. Griner was part of a group of WNBA stars who played in Russia during the offseason. Let's turn now to some big headlines tonight on the COVID front. Here in Washington, the Prime Minister of Ireland had to miss St. Patrick's Day celebrations with President Biden after the Irish leader tested positive for COVID. CBS's Meg Oliver reports now on the return of St. Patty's Day parades amid concerns over that new strain of COVID. Today, thousands of people lined up along New York City's famed Fifth Avenue to celebrate St. Patrick's Day without COVID restrictions. It's been two years of us doing it virtually or just with close family, and now we're out. But as people hope the luck of the Irish will bring more festive scenes like this, COVID cases are rising in China and across Europe, where some places have also relaxed some COVID mandates. Europe has trended about three to four weeks ahead of the U.S. in terms of its COVID patterns. And in the U.S., we're already seeing an increase in the amount of COVID in the wastewater, which would also signal that we're heading into a surge here as well. The average daily number of new cases has dropped to about 31,000 per day, down 96% from the Omicron peak. Although the spread of the new BA2 subvariant is more transmissible, it isn't more severe than Omicron. And vaccines and a prior Omicron infection are effective against the new strain. How concerned are you with large gatherings today on St. Patty's Day? I think large gatherings can be done safely if they're done outside, if they're done in spaces that are well ventilated. But if you are talking about large gatherings in a crowded indoor bar, for example, I think that certainly could result in a lot of transmission. And it will take a few weeks before we know if St. Patrick's Day parties result in more COVID cases. And this all comes as COVID funding is running out. If Congress doesn't pass a new bill, federal programs that fund testing, treatment and vaccines will start expiring next week. Nora. Meg Oliver, thank you so much. Well, there's some shocking new details tonight in that head-on crash in Texas that killed nine people, including six members of a college golf team and their coach. Officials said today behind the wheel of the pickup truck that swerved into the team's van was a 13-year-old boy. He was also killed along with an adult male passenger in the pickup. Investigators say the pickup was riding on a spare tire that blew out before impact. Want to turn now to Eye on America and a growing problem facing millions of Americans, so-called food deserts. With America's rural population shrinking, grocery stores in many areas are closing. CBS's Janet Shamlian reports on what some rural communities are doing to feed themselves. Unlike many grocery stores in rural America, St. Paul, Kansas has one that will never shut its doors. Who's your boss? We actually have six of them. 
We have a mayor and five council members. James and Kelly Voorhees run the only market in town, but the city owns it. A unique arrangement to keep food available. You lived here when there wasn't a grocery store. What was that like? It was pretty rough, actually. You learned to pack coolers with you everywhere you went because we're literally 17 miles to the next Walmart closest grocery store. 40 million live in food deserts nationwide. In rural areas, that's at least 10 miles from a grocery store. More than 20% are low income. The irony for many rural communities is that they are surrounded by farmland that's growing fresh food. There's just no access to it. Can you guys see beans somewhere? Tracy Kegel's Humanity House in Iola, Kansas, feeds close to 2,000 people a month. Rural pantries just aren't as plentiful as they are in cities. Without this resource, what would some of these families do? They would starve. They would starve. When Lauren and Regina Lance learned their grocery store in Mildred, Kansas could close, they bought it. If the Mildred store did not exist, where would they get their groceries or whatever they needed? Most of them would have to drive at least 30 minutes in any direction. Along with fresh produce and the usual grocery fare, they brought in nostalgic foods. We smoke our own bologna. And turned the deli into a destination lunch spot. Then they added a dance hall. Was it a purposeful decision to make it more than a grocery store, to make it a destination? Not originally. Originally it was to save the local store. And then it's metamorphosized into so much more. When you hit that door, you feel like you're at home. That's the way we want you to feel. Starved for food access, small towns relying on themselves. There's never a day that goes by that somebody doesn't say, hey, we really appreciate you being here. As groceries become the heart of America's heartland. For Eye on America, Janet Shamley and CBS News, Mildred, Kansas. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Thick fog is being blamed for a 50-vehicle pileup in Missouri that killed at least five people and injured dozens. Tonight, 11 million Americans are under the threat of severe weather as a storm pushes from Oklahoma to Louisiana, bringing powerful winds, heavy rain, rain, and an overnight threat of tornadoes. The storm threat expands to 16 million people on Friday as it moves along the Gulf Coast to the Florida Panhandle. Tonight, NASA is rolling out the most powerful rocket that mankind has ever built. The new moon rocket stands more than 300 feet tall. That's taller than the Statue of Liberty. This is just a dress rehearsal. It'll take the real 11-hour ride to the launch pad for blastoff this summer. That's why we wanted to show it to you. Out of the horrors of the war in Ukraine, the world has witnessed an incredible display of humanity from those providing relief. Here's CBS's Jonathan Vigliotti with one example. Look straight ahead. 
As Dr. Svetlana Pilugina checks her patient's vision, her mind is focused on her homeland. A tremendous sense of shock, a disbelief. Dr. P, as she's known, grew up in the Ukrainian city of Odessa. Her parents are still in the war-torn country. There was a part of me that said, what if the worst happens? Scary. Out of tears, she says, came this email sent to her staff and patients. The unfolding devastation is unthinkable. I'm organizing a drive for donation of humanitarian and medical support items. This was the response. This snowballed into something you never imagined when you pressed send on that email. Yeah. The spirit of humanity is incredible. Boxes and boxes. Baby formula, infant formula, diapers, clothes. Mm -hmm. Patients coming to the aid of their doctor. What's it like to be in a position where you're now asking for help? Humbling, but at the same time, I'm so grateful. If I help one individual person, that gives me a sense of going forward. One person and so many more. Jonathan Vigliotti, CBS News. The spirit of humanity is incredible. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, On the Road has an update on the Michigan woman transforming her community one building at a time. And that is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora Morahan O'Donnell in our nation's capital. And so on this St. Patrick's Day, I'll leave you with an Irish blessing. For each petal on the shamrock, this brings a wish your way. Good health, good luck, and happiness for today and every day. Good night. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. And how long have you been the, the producer of this? We've been doing this for two years now. Okay. And and what is it like to attempt to uh, get feedback from me about the podcast? Be honest about how quickly I respond to emails. You actually respond to emails surprisingly fast. Really? I, I think you might be the only person I respond to. <laughs> <laughs> I respond to quickly. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I expected I expected you to lay into me. Well, this was over the strike period. Oh, I had time. Yeah. See, that, that, does, that doesn't count. <laughs> Sure, I responded to everything because responding to you, putting reruns up on the podcast was like a form of employment. Yeah. And I felt like I had something to get up for every yeah. day. So thank you for that. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.